but um, I've been watching a bit of TV lately, a bit of cricket. You can almost watch cricket every night of the week. Do you know that? Uh, and now you can watch cricket and tennis just about every night of the week. Uh, it's, almost, it's almost heaven, isn't it? It's almost there. No. Uh, it's been one of, those, uh, one of those time periods, isn't it? And uh, I've been watching a bit of that. Uh, particularly the tennis uh, lately. What a great game last night was. I reckon that was one of the great finals we've seen. Uh, but one of the things that I've been doing uh, when I watch TV and then when I've been watching tennis is I've caught a couple of the ads that have been going on at the same time. And they sneak in on me because I normally have the remote control in my hand so that when the ads come on I can click, click off it and go and have a look around at some of the other channels, much to my wife's disgust. She wants to stay on one channel, but I'm going to try and I'll get around and try and do it. Every now and then, the ads have caught me napping and they've come up on me and they've sprung in. And there's been one ad that has caught me this year. Actually, there's been two, but I'm not going to tell you about the second one. But the one ad that has caught me uh, has been the one which is about Telstra. And it's a Telstra ad that is about that year. I don't know whether you've seen it, uh, but it's a Telstra ad and it goes through and it says, this year can be your that year. That year when you can complete your project. That year when you'll get to do your new business. That year when you'll be able to do more money laundering. That year when you can binge on Netflix. Well, they don't go to those things. But they were saying it's that year when you're going to be able to do all that you've ever wanted to do because you're going to have a fast NBN. Yep, and that's what I did too. <laughs> it's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> Fast NBN, nah, maybe not. Uh, but uh, it really caught me that idea that year. That this year can be that year. The year when you do whatever it is for you. And I was thinking about that, I'm wondering about that for you guys. What is it going to be this year for you? What is the that year for you? What is this year going to be that year for you? Is it the year, is it time for you to get real? Uh, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Liz has preached the last two weeks, but I preached the week before that. And we were challenged uh, from that passage about Jesus where he was talking to the Pharisees about being hypocritical, about looking all religious on the outside but being dead on the inside, about trying to be all shining on the outside but having nothing on the inside. We were challenged about getting real with Jesus. Is this year, that year, that you get real with Jesus? You may be someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, but you've just drifted away from it for a while. You've just sort of got back into that comfortable zone. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but you're just feeling a bit angsty about it. Everything's not quite working for you at the moment. Uh, maybe you're actually investigating this whole Jesus thing. Maybe you're starting to think about who this guy is and what he's about. Maybe you're just here because someone dragged you along. But maybe this year is that year that you get real with Jesus. We're going to be thinking about that a little bit more throughout the whole of the year. But today we're just going to think about that a little bit here and now. 
and some practical things that may help us to get real with Jesus. And we're going to be thinking about that as we look at a passage in the book of Colossians. Uh, And we're going to read from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. It's only a very short passage today. And you're going, whew, maybe you won't talk for too long. Well, don't guarantee it. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Uh, Colossians is a great little book of the Bible. Uh, It's written by a guy by the name of Paul, who was a follower of Jesus. He's writing to the church who was set up in the town of Colossae. And he's writing to them an encouraging letter. He's writing to encourage them and build them up and to encourage them in following Jesus. How good is it when you get an encouraging letter? How good is it when you get an encouraging text message? How good is it when you get an encouraging Facebook message? Rather than one of those ones that just go on and on about how bad things are and, man, the people at Evans Head are terrible, the campers are shocking, the weather's no good, it's too hot, it's too windy, it's too whatever. It's full of it, isn't it? I don't know whether you've been looking at Facebook lately, but there is so much stuff about how bad things are. But how nice is it when you get something that's encouraging, that builds you up? Well, Colossians is a letter to build up and encourage. And Paul's writing to them to encourage them in how they follow Jesus. He wants to encourage them first that they do follow Jesus. He says to them, if you've heard the good news about Jesus who came and lived and died and rose again, who took all that we've done wrong to the cross, who rose again and if we trust in him, forgives us and cleanses us and then gives us his spirit to live for him, he says, then you now have a new identity. He says, you now are in Jesus. You now are in Christ. You now are a child of the Heavenly Father. That's what that first song was about. You're a good, good father. That's who we are in Him. We now have a whole new identity. We don't need to seek identity anywhere else. We don't need to find anything else to prop us up, to keep us going, but we have Jesus. And he says, if you have Jesus, you've got everything, guys. This is the best news. I want to encourage you with that. And then he goes through and he does that in a number of different ways through Colossians. And then in chapter 4 is the last part. And he wants to encourage them to live it out. And at the very first part of chapter 4, he gives us two great encouragements. Two things to get real about. To get real about prayer. To get real about proclaiming Jesus in your words so let's read it. Uh, you'll see it uh, on the screen or you'll have it before you. Uh, great little passage. Two great things to grab out of it this morning, guys. Uh, it says there, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in change. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every, every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Very short, but how punchy is it? How good is it? And first of all, doesn't he, Paul says to us, if your identity is in Jesus, guys, if you want to get real with him, understand that's who you are, that's what it is to get real with him, understanding who you are in Jesus. He says, well, get real about prayer. It's time to get real with prayer. 
what he says. Devote yourselves to prayer. He doesn't say prayer is a great thing. Feel like it, have a go at it. He doesn't say prayer is a really good thing to be doing, guys. And if you get a chance, you know, think about it here and there. He says, devote yourself to prayer. He says, this is vitally important, guys. This is something you want to give yourself to. Something that you want to actually be part of doing always and continually. How's your prayer life been going? Do you pray? Or do you just pray occasionally? Do you pray regularly? What do you pray about? It's a good thought, isn't it? All those are good thoughts. But what Paul is saying to us here is that we need to be devoted to prayer. But actually this is something that we do as a life thing. Not just as an occasional thing, but a life thing. Uh, Because Paul says that's our lifeline. See, when Paul talks about prayer, very rarely does he talk about it being just a place to fill God in and what's happening in your life. Well, he never talks about that. It's not your Twitter page to God just to let him know what's happening down the track. You don't need to post pictures there about what you've been eating and what's been going on. It's not that sense that God talks about prayer. Uh, though you can talk to him anytime about anything, anywhere. Uh, but Paul says it's more important than just filling God in what's been going on in your life. So this is actually a lifeblood thing. The picture that Paul's got here is actually quite a picture of an army setup. The words he uses, we don't quite pick it from our English, but he's using uh, army type language in this. And basically, what he's saying is that your prayer life is almost like having your two way to God. It's like your lifeline in battle. Now, obviously, Paul didn't have two ways back when he was speaking, was he? But it was like your your, your conversation line that you need to have continually between your frontline troops and the person who's got the real power. That's the picture that God's talking about in prayer here. It's like you've got to have this two-way radio going constantly. You see this guy, he's got an earpiece in. It's actually quite a good picture, isn't it? You know, these days, it's not so much that you have to grab it, dial it up and go for it. Uh, these days, they're on 24-7. They can speak constantly to the people that they're around them and back to headquarters. And in a sense, that's what the picture here is Paul is saying. That's what it's to be with us. That prayer is that two-way conversation between you and God. It's back and forth. You're talking to him constantly. That he's always there. He's always open. You don't have to dial him up. You can speak to him constantly. You actually can be in 24-7 contacting. You can be praying to him constantly. And sometimes we think about prayer as just moments where we stop and we speak to God deliberately. They're good. Don't get me wrong. But there's almost a picture here that it actually becomes part of your everyday moment by moment existence. That we actually have a praying life not a prayer time. It's a slight difference, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying don't do the prayer time. I want to encourage you to take moments out to do that. But that's not all it is. It's actually this praying life that we can be actually talking to God through every moment of the day. That, I don't know about you, but I actually think blokes can multitask. We can actually do and think sometimes. But I think all of us can, can't we? We can be speaking, but we also can be... We we are constantly thinking, aren't we? Something is constantly going on in here. 
And what Paul is saying to us here is that we can be constantly speaking to God within the conversations, the activities that we're doing and what's going on. I'm not saying that you have to be working on the motor and the thing and just, you don't have to be, don't be talking about it, but it's there, it's available, you can be doing that. So when you're speaking to someone or something's going on or you're trying to get something off and it's not working or things aren't going, you can actually be speaking to God within that. Or you're talking to God, uh, you're talking to people and you can hear there's pain in their, their voice. You can be praying to God while you're speaking to them. Paul says to be devoted in prayer, to have a praying life. Let me encourage you to have a prayer time as well. Take space to do that. The Bible also says be still and know that I am God. There is good time and place to just step back, contemplate and speak to God. But we can do it constantly as well. It's both. It's not either or. It's both and. What a wonderful blessing that is, isn't it? We can do that. Devote yourselves to prayer, Paul says. And in your prayer, he says, to be watchful. He actually uses another... I'm not sure what that is. He actually uses... Oh, let me pull that out. It actually says... This is another army metaphor. It's like the picture... It's like a picture like this, where... Uh, you've got a sentry who's out, uh, he's out looking, he's scouting, he's keeping an eye on what's coming ahead uh, and, and they're watchful and they're seeing and they're, and they're ready, aren't they? He says to be voted in prayer, being watchful and what he means to be watchful for is watching for what God is doing. Listening and seeing and thinking, where's God going? What's he doing here? What's, he, what's happening here? Where's God in this? What's going on out there at the moment? Where is God moving at the moment? What is God doing here? How can I be part of what God's doing here and now around me? Have you ever prayed that before? Lord, let me be ready for what you've got. Let me be watchful and looking and seeing where you're at work. Where you're at work in someone else's life. Where you're at work in a circumstance and a situation. Lord, let me have eyes to see what you see. That's what he means for watchful. He's seeing what's going on, what's happening. Can I encourage you to be praying about being watchful for what God's doing in 2018, not just for you, but what he's doing for us, what he's doing in this town, what he's doing in this community, what he's doing in this country, what he's doing in this world, and be praying for that. Be praying to see what God's doing, for God to reveal that to you and getting on board with him. The elders, the leaders of our congregation and us got together a couple of weeks ago. And, and two weeks before that, uh, we just were encouraging one another to be in prayer, to be watchful for what is God doing? Where is God taking us? Where is he leading us? Not just what I want. Not just what we want. Not just what we're comfortable with. Not just what we think is really nice for us but what are you doing Lord where are you going we need to be on board with you because that's the only place to be ultimately is on board with him if you're not on board with him you're off on a tangent it's not going to be pretty guys uh, but you need to be on board with him can I encourage you that in your prayer 
looking for where God's leading you and taking you and being on board with him and his mission, what he's about. And being thankful in that. There's a little quote. It says, Prayer no more exists without praise than true praise without prayer. One fuels the other. You see, he says, Prayer, be devoted, be watchful, be thankful. Uh, as we're communing with God, as we're talking to him, as we're praying about what's going on around us, as we're looking for what God's doing and getting on board with him, is being thankful for what God's already done and what he's going to do. He's being thankful at heart for what he's about. It's a really good thing to think about, isn't it? I don't know about your prayers, but as I was thinking through this this morning, thinking how often are my prayers like what Paul's encouraging us to pray? How often am I devoted to prayer? Am I in that constant conversation? Am I making that time to do it? Am I really praying about what God's doing or am I just praying about all the stuff that's happening to me and around me and what's about, you know, I'm praying that the weather's going to be good next Saturday for my birthday party. Oh, who cares, really? You can all get wet, I don't care. Uh, no, you know, in one sense, yeah, it's not a bad thing to be praying about, but, but really, how much better it is to be praying for where God's at and what he's on about and getting on board with him, being in partnership with him. And then being thankful to God when, I, when you see that and when he's part of it, when you're in it. And Lord, yes, thank you. I may not like it all, I may not be comfortable in it, but thank you, Lord, because I know I'm in it with you. Being thankful, being devoted, being watchful, being thankful, and being purposeful. We need to be praying and then proclaiming and praying for us to proclaim and praying for those who do proclaim. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. How often are you praying for me on a Sunday that not that I'm feeling well, okay, but that when I speak, I speak clearly and I don't confuse you. <laughs> and I'm not being confusing. I'm being clearly about it and I'm proclaiming it, what God says to us to proclaim, proclaiming his word. How often are you praying that for people who are in the schools, for Les, as he's going into the school, for all our scripture teachers as they go in each week, for all those in our youth group who are leading, for all those that are at our play group and our craft group, uh, for all those that are out there, how often are you praying that for each other each day when you meet people? Because it's really important, isn't it? You know, that we do it clearly and that we don't confuse people. And sometimes we get that a bit mucked up, don't we? But how often are we praying that for each other? Because you need to remember that even though we preach it clearly and don't confuse it, that that's our role, but we're not the ones that convert. It's God that does that. We don't have to make anyone believe anything. That's not my role. I'm not here to make you believe anything. I'm here to present to you the truth and then God's the one that makes you believe it or not. I'm here to help you within that. I want to make that clearly and less, as least confusing as possible. And it's the same for us when we're out there, isn't it? You see, the amazing thing is that God's the one who converts, but the wonderful thing is that God actually partners us in that, and the way that he does that is as we pray for the people that he wants us to convert. It's a, it's a wonderful picture, isn't it? We don't know how that all fits together. 
But God in his infinite wisdom works through our prayers to bring the message clearly to people so they get to trust and believe in Jesus. He partners with us in that and we partner with him in that. He uses us as part of that. How good's God of that? So we've got a part to play, don't we? We need to be praying. Can I encourage you when you come every Sunday, pray for the person who's speaking that they speak clearly and non-confused. And they don't do the bait and switch thing. You know the one? They build you all up, use all the emotion, and then they bam, they switch it on you. Or for us, that we don't use the bait and switch where we try and invite people to stuff and then we hit them. We don't want to bait and switch. We don't want to use mystery and stuff. We just want to live it. We want to present it clearly as it should be. Because again, it's not us. We don't have to justify whether it's true or not in one sense. We just need to tell them what we believe is the truth and God does the rest. Don't get me wrong, I can argue with the best of people if you want me to about that sort of stuff. And Paul says at the end, doesn't it, so that you can answer everyone. So there's an element that we need to know what we want to speak about. But he says that last. The first bit comes first. We need to be praying. Can I encourage you to do that? I've been to some talks and I've been to some that are just completely confusing. It's just a mystery what they're on about. I went to one talk and this bloke talked about sailing for 20 minutes. Wonderful bit about sailing if you want to know how to sail. And then at the end of it says, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, then do it now. I thought, trust in what? That you can sail? It's, like, it's just completely confusing. There was no connection. No. Bizarre. I've been to other talks where I reckon the bloke who's up the front has tried to use the biggest word that you possibly can so that you've got to go home and open up a dictionary to work it out. That's just as bad, isn't it? Pray that we can proclaim it clearly, without confusion, and that we can live it, isn't it? So it's both proclaiming and living. And proclaiming has two aspects to it. It has the speaking, but it has the living. Paul never separates the two, okay? What he says, doesn't he? And be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You're not to be belligerent. That's a big word. <sighs> belligerent, it means being a pain in the neck and trying to bash someone into the kingdom. Belligerent, isn't it? We're not to be that. Full of grace. We had to have conversations with people and live lives with people where they want to know what we believe. Because they won't ask you otherwise, won't they? So that you may know how to answer everyone. See the undergirding part of that? The people are actually going to ask you is the undergirding part of that statement. No one is going to ask you if they think you're going to bash them or if they don't see you living it in an authentic manner. Tough question is that we need to ask you. How many people have asked us lately what we believe and why we live like we do? It's a challenging question, isn't it? Don't get me wrong, I haven't had many people ask me, all right, in recent time either, okay? So I'm not aiming at you. It's a good question for all of us, isn't it? Are we speaking it and living for Jesus in a way that people want to ask us about why? 
We're speaking and living in a gracious way that is seasoned with salt. Is your mouth starting to salivate already? When I was younger and uh, Sundays, uh, I, I grew up in a, a family that had God as part of their picture but not really an important part of it. Uh, so pretty much uh, Sundays, I used to just play sport. Uh, that was what I did. And, uh, but I had to be home at lunchtime or dinner time, either one, but I needed to let my mum and dad know, depending on what sporting activity I was in at the time, because I needed to be home for the roast. And I knew that in Tassie, when it was cold and bleak and horrible and I just played hockey and I was frozen, that I could go home to a roast. And I knew as I drove up that driveway that I could start to waft. I reckon I could waft a couple of streets away, really. But, you know, you get that waft. And when you get the waft and you walk in the door, your mouth salivates, you go, oh, yes, roast. I'm ready for my roast. You want it, don't you? You desire it. That's what you desire. That's what you think. You think that's what I want. Uh, Paul is saying that's the type of life we are to live for Jesus. Where we waft. Where we live. Where we speak. Where we are authentic about the fact that Jesus is it. And he transforms and he changes. That he gives us a completely new identity. That we are him. That we are loved by him. We have an eternity with him. We have a life to live for him and with him. And as we live that, that wafts. And we get a chance to speak clearly. That's what we need to be praying about, guys. That's what Paul desires us to be praying for. For each other. For us as a community together as we go out and seek to live that in a world around us to bring Jesus to people. Is this year going to be that year for you? Is this the year that you're going to get real with Jesus? Is this the year that you're going to get real with prayer? Is this the year that you're going to get real with proclaiming Jesus? both in your words and in life. I ask that you pray that for me and I'll pray that for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's uh, a wonderful blessing to look into your word and to see who we are in you, uh, that we are loved, that we're part of your family, that our identity is as children of you, Lord, to live for you in this world around us. We thank you for that in Jesus, Lord, and we pray now that, uh, Lord, by your spirit, you'll do a mighty work within us and that uh, we'll make a commitment for this year to be that year when we get real with you, that we get real in prayer, that we get real in proclaiming you in both what we say and what we do, Lord. Father, you've given us each other to be devoted in prayer for that. Uh, may we do that, Lord. May we be praying that for each other. May we be watchful for where you're opening up doors and where you're at work and where you're moving, Lord, and be on board with that. Uh, help us to be thankful, Lord, when you bring us into that. Heavenly Father, we know that uh, you've given us each other to help us in that. So, Lord, may we be encourager, encouragers to each other. May we build one another up in that, Lord. 
And Lord, you've given us your spirit to live within us, to encourage us to do that as well. And you've given us your word to guide us and direct us in that. And over all that, Lord, you've given us Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.